Welcome to the Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast, where expert advice becomes real results. At RNA, we are public land hunters that love to share our passion of the outdoors. So join us and our pro staff team as we speak with experts in the industry to share insight and knowledge to help make hunters more successful. Welcome to the Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast, where we cover all things hunting, fishing, and obviously the outdoors. Uh, This is podcast number two. We're going to be talking about fitness for archery. I'm your host, Lucas Paw, and uh, today we are here in Paso Robles, California, my home, uh, enjoying what we thought would be cool fall weather. Actually, it turned into about 90-plus degree weather this morning as we were going out and uh, shooting our bows and and, uh, shooting some footage and just trying to get some B-roll for the website. So as we always do, we're going to just start out with a little bit of trivia. Today we're going to talk a little bit about archery and uh, just some old known trivia that probably most of us aren't aware of or, or didn't even know existed. So the first known use of bow and arrows in combat was in 2340 BC by the Babylonians. So when you say BC, that's before Christ. So that's, you know, roughly 5,000 years ago that, you know, the bow and arrow was originally uh, put into combat. That's pretty amazing to think of how old, you know, the, the bow and arrow actually is. It is considered one of the oldest sports uh, in the world. The word archery is derived from the word arcus, which is a Latin term, uh, which means bow and arrows. Archery has been an Olympic sport almost from the beginning. Uh, It debuted in the Summer Olympics in 1900. So pretty amazing to think that in the Olympic Games that archery has been one of the longest standing sports uh, in the Olympics. Uh, in 1904, archery was actually the only women's sport in the Olympics, so that was kind of neat too. Most know that splitting an arrow of a competitor uh, is called a Robin Hood in reference to the legend archer Robin Hood who won a competition by splitting his opponent's arrow with his own. The The downside to a Robin Hood is, is it ends up costing you money because you split your arrow in half, but it is cool when you see that happen. So, The very first compound bow was made roughly 500 years ago. And what's interesting about how archers shoot, they actually shoot according to their dominant eye. And because you know of this, a right-handed person may shoot with their left hand and vice versa, which I find interesting because I'm actually left-eye dominant. I shoot a rifle left-handed, but I do shoot a bow right-handed. So, um, you know, it's interesting when you look at, you know, what's your dominant eye, non-dominant eye. And a lot of times I think people learn how to shoot archery based on, whatever they were given. So if they were given, you know, a bow that was right-handed, they probably learned right-handed versus, you know, maybe really what was their dominant eye. So anyway, just a little trivia about archery. You know, clearly archery is a passion. Uh, It's a big part of what we do with Rod and Arrow Outdoors. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's probably one of the greatest pastimes uh, in what we do. And I think it's just good to give back and talk a little bit about where archery came from uh, and obviously see the the changes over the years and where it's gone. So today on podcast number two, uh, again, we are talking about fitness for archery. So it's kind of an interesting term because you typically wouldn't think that you would parallel the two together. But when you think about it, you know, what does archery have to do with fitness? Well, 
today we're going to be speaking about that. We've got a very special guest today uh, and some really cool topics, I think. Uh, what's interesting about when you when you marry these two topics together is it's really something that is pretty cutting edge. It's not very evolved, and you can almost argue is uncharted territory in the outdoors industry because they kind of go hand in hand because you can't really go trudge up a mountain and not be in good shape. But a lot of times people don't always think about the fitness behind what it takes to do that, right? And a lot of us train for months on months for our certain hunts that we do. Uh, and it's critical to making sure that we're prepared. So I'm going to go ahead and, and just kind of get into where we're at. And I'm joined here with um, not only an expert in the health and wellness industry, but in my opinion, more of a pioneer in his own way and one of the smartest and most intelligent guys I know in the health and wellness arena. I've known Ron for probably about 10 years or longer. Um, probably, I actually met him in a professional setting, uh, which over the years evolved into a, more of a personal relationship um, and could arguably say he is one of the best in the business. I've watched him walk people uh, in pain out of wheelchairs. I witnessed him do one-arm push-ups in tight situations, which <laughs> Ron might have to explain that situation. But I don't want to steal Ron's thunder, but I do want to introduce Ron Jones uh, to the podcast today. And Ron, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's great, man. We had a, a good time this morning. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Absolutely. So maybe just um, for the listeners, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, just kind of a you know a brief introduction. Tell us about your background. If you know, kind of what your maybe your start in health and wellness was. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got to say, you know, some of the hardest training sessions I've done are when you're getting ready to go hunting. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, when, it, get when Luke says it. he gets prepared, he really means it, you know, <laughs> doing hill repeats and all this other stuff. But it, but it is important. I mean, I think of my career as um, I want people to be able to do what they want to do. And when I work with somebody like you, I know that you like to go hunting and fishing and things like that. So it makes me happy to know that, you know, I see I see the game that you get and I, you know, I feel the joy in your voice when you do these um, these trips and stuff. And that, you know, that's that's what it's all about. And for somebody else could be going to Disneyland with their grandchildren or whatever. So, um, from my position, it's just like, what, what do people want to do? And there are a lot of people that love hunting. I grew up hunting and fishing and I think, uh, you know, it's been one of my father's, uh, uh, biggest parts of his health management has been hunting and fishing. So I'm, uh, I'm very, um, you know, I think it's very important to speak to the outdoors people about that. So I, I got into fitness professionally probably about 20 years ago, and uh, I started off in construction and then um, had an uncle that was a PE teacher and made me realize uh, that I could go back to school and do a lot of things. So I spent a lot of time in college, and I joke because most of the stuff I use I didn't learn in school. I learned after. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the really good stuff is what you learn after school. But uh, Absolutely. I've seen a lot of parallels in just general fitness conditioning um, and moving it into archery, like we were working today and you were helping me with posture and, and relaxation. And these are the same types of things that I would use if I was training collegiate football, which I have done, or, you know, working with Olympic athletes or working with people in a corporate setting, you know, helping them relax through movement. So I think there's a, just a lot of parallels and, uh, um, we can make it more archery specific today. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in terms of shoulder health. Um, and what people can do in the gym that might help and maybe what they're doing in the gym that might not help, you know, sure. make things worse. Yep. So, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I've got a funny story. Like I said, I've, 
I've known Ron for about 10 years, and uh, we originally kind of built a relationship around music. We've always enjoyed music. We've always enjoyed going to rock concerts, and um, Ron invited me down. Uh, he lives in the northern part of Los Angeles, and uh, he goes, hey, I got tickets to the Coachella Festival. And I was like, <laughs> cool. You know, Red Hot Chili Peppers was playing, so I thought, yeah, that, that sounds cool. So we went down to that, and we had a, we had a good time the night before, and uh, so we were at Coachella in, you know, Palm Desert area, Indio, and what would you say? It was probably a hundred. Oh, it was hot. It was hot. Cause I think it was May. It was really hot. It yeah. was hot. And, yeah. uh, and so there's, there's no shade. <laughs> yeah. There's no shade out there. It's just desert. So it was during the day and, uh, we were got into this like rave tent and I think the, the temperature and the humidity went up probably 15 to 20 degrees inside this tent. And I remember standing next to him and I remember looking, you know, away and looking back over and he disappeared. And for like two hours, I couldn't find him. And you're talking 100 plus thousand people at this event. And uh, I was like down and out. I was like, dang it, I'm never going to find him. He had a, a cell phone that didn't work really well there. Like the, the service was just purged because of all the people on the phone. So next thing you know, I'm just kind of standing there with my head down. All of a sudden I get tackled and Ron somehow found me. In the middle of a sea of a hundred thousand people plus, and yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, we had a good time. We saw Red Hot Chili Peppers and and uh, got pretty parched that day out in the sun. But that was a good time. So we've got a lot of good times. We've had a lot of good uh, concerts. We've been to. We've just we've we've known each other, like I said, for quite a long time, and have built a built a good relationship over the years. That's afforded us those opportunities to do that kind of stuff. So anyway. So to just to kind of get into what we want to talk about today, I mean, obviously a big part of rod and arrow is, you know, the rod and the arrow. So we're talking about fishing, we're talking about hunting, but the topic today specifically we're going to look at uh, will be, you know, outdoor activities specific to health and wellness. But really what we want to look at uh, is, you know, archery shooting from really kind of a functional movement standpoint. So you know, most people probably don't look at archery shooting to that level of detail or take it down to that level of detail. So it's interesting. Um, a lot of the stuff that Ron does, um, you know, it's not expensive tools. It's not expensive. You don't have to go to, you know, uh, certain stores and buy these, you know, elaborate pieces of equipment that cost thousands of dollars. We're, we're talking about, you know, staffs and clubs and things that, you know, cost very minimal amount of money that are, have a lot to do with, you know, archery shooting and fun, really functional movement from that standpoint. So we're going to talk about some of those tools today, really how effective they are. And from an inexpensive standpoint, really can be made, you know, in less than probably a few hours to some extent. So, um, so with that, uh, I guess we'll just kind of go in and we'll start, you know, going through some of the questions and, and topics that we have here. So, Ron, when you think about, you know, fitness, specifically fitness, I think wellness is a little bit different topic. Um, but when you think about fitness in everyday activities, how important or how integral is it to have fitness and all the things that we do, not outdoors, but just to be able to get up in the morning and tie our shoes every morning? Right. right? I mean, is it, how, how integral is that? Uh, well, we should probably talk about activities of daily living. They're called ADLs, the acronym, but it's like what, what are the common things that people do throughout the day? And so um, 
usually these are things that people want to do. So I would, you know, when I started, I, I mentioned I want people to do what they what they want to do. So going to the bathroom is usually something that's very important. Yeah, people want to be able to thought. do that on their own without any help, right? So, um, you know, in terms of fitness conditioning, you know, can do people have the joint mobility to to get up and down and reach and push and pull? And then do they have the strength to do it as well? So I look at things at a very basic level, getting in and out of bed, um, going to the bathroom, um, going up and down stairs. I've, I've worked with a number of women over the past that have problems fastening their bra straps. So, you know, sometimes as guys, we don't think of that, but for a woman, that's a really uh, big problem, you know? So just the simple task and shoulders are, are very tricky to work with because they're, they're highly mobile and we use them so often, whether it's archery or other things. So, you know, just think about the activities of daily living that you need to do um, and then if you can do those well, then you'll have some time left over maybe to go shooting and hunting sure. and fishing and things like that. Yeah. I think about, you know, like, okay, what do most of us do? We get up in the morning, we drive to work, we go to work all day, mm-hmm. and we come home. And when you get into that kind of that, you know, pattern or that routine, um, it becomes very, you know, your, your muscles start to get to a point where you, you're like on autopilot where if you don't break some of that up during the day, and I see it at work with people where, you know, they become zombies where they sit at their desk all day right. in front of a computer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of them, when they get up, they have a hard time, you know, standing up straight, walking because they've been so tied to that piece of equipment all day. You know, I purposely try to make myself get up. I'll either walk on the treadmill during the day or something at work just yeah. to break up the everyday activities because we mm-hmm. get caught up in, you know, those things we do every day. Right. And, you know, in terms of the outdoor, I mean, you have to be able to get in a low position. You might have to crawl. You might have to roll. I mean, these are these are the survival skills. And that's something we should probably mention now because over 90% of my training and and uh, the work what I do in, with corporate or schools is is really more focused on survival training. So what what are the skills you need to do that? And the, a lot of times they tie into hunting, right? Sure. Or if you're really yeah. out there in the in the back country, so it would be uh, pushing, pulling, crawling, hanging, you know, from a limb or a, a bar or something. Uh, swimming is a survival skill. Running is a survival skill. It's not that you have to train for a marathon, but you might have to run. You know, hopefully it's not from an elf <laughs> well, trying to get gored. A you grizzly know? bear. <laughs> right. But but you might have to do it. So, you know, just kind of looking at what, what you're doing, if you're exercising now, like what what are those survival skills that I'm um, preparing for sure. that are good outside the gym? Because uh, there's a lot of things people do inside the gym that probably don't have much carryover outside. No, you, know? you don't do a whole lot of bench pressing, especially out if you're hunting in the outdoors. Yeah. I had a story actually. This, this is this is relevant to hunting and fishing. Uh, I had a guy. He asked me one time. He goes, "I'm doing X amount of pounds in the leg press. Do you think I should do more? Because that's my leg strength. Is you know that's what I uh, that's what I'm really good at." I go, "Well, I don't know." I said, "Can you use the strength that you have?" He said, "Well, what do you mean by that?" I go, "Well, um, can you get down and and like." do a walking lunge across the gym and he made it about three steps and almost fell over. And he goes, I think I answered my own question. And so the point is, you know, can you use the strength that you've developed for the activities that you want to do? So while he was pressing all this weight in the leg machine, it didn't have much transfer into using his legs in an open environment. Hmm. And so, um, something I did want to mention today in terms of training for archery 
is to think about not just training the big muscles, the prime mover muscles are called, but also working on the smaller muscles around the joints that keep your joints stable. Because, you know, just thinking about drawing the bow and setting your point and, and stabilizing things smoothly, that those are small muscles involved. And that's, that's kind of a different way to talk about fitness. Most people don't think about that, but it, it has a direct correlation to archery. And so, yes, I need some big muscles to draw back, especially, you know, with the you know, a compound bow that's set up for hunting. However, um, there's a lot of fine motor control that needs to be done too. And those won't be the big muscles doing that. Yeah. So that's where some of the alternative methods come in with the, the other simple tools that you mentioned. We'll talk about that a little bit too. Okay. Next topic we want to talk about is really around shoulder mobility and arm strength. It's interesting in, uh, in my years of archery shooting, I've met a lot of people that, you know, think they have to shoot 70 pounds or some guys I know shoot 80, 90 pound bows. And then I watch some of the traditional um, archers, you know, they shoot, you know, anywhere from 30 to 50 pound bows and they're still very successful when they're hunting. So I think it's interesting when you look at the two, you know, I think over time, somebody pulling 80, 90 pounds for an extended period amount of time is probably very difficult on shoulders. And I know you've done a lot of research and a lot of work with shoulders and folks right. that have had shoulder pain and issues. Um, so maybe just we can talk a little bit about, you know, how does shoulder mobility uh, and arm strength um, really kind of play hand in hand with archery shooting? Yeah, sure. Well, let's talk about the shoulder in general first, because it's the only joint in the body that moves a, a 360 degrees. And so uh, it's highly, highly mobile. And it's it's a joint that, um, compared to like a knee surgery, mm -hmm. the uh, shoulder's really tricky to work on. So the idea, if, when I think of shoulders, is to keep them healthy and not need the rehab later, or especially a surgical procedure if we can avoid that. So yeah. um, that being said, um, because the shoulder's a 360-degree joint, it doesn't respond well. Um, in terms of linear, straight, push-pull type training, if that's all you do. So what I mean by that is um, a lot of the types of training that I do now, and actually you do a lot of that now too, is very circular. And so this is where we get into a lot of the vintage tools like the Indian clubs and some of the staff uh, health wand you know, tools like that um, because they do circular motions with the shoulder. It uses leverage and physics and light weight. Um, and those are the types of things that really build resiliency in your shoulders and they will make you stronger too, but you don't lose the mobility. So just in general, shoulders, a very tricky joint. We want to keep it healthy so mm -hmm. we can shoot, you know, our bow or whatever we want to do. Um, and you probably won't get really healthy, um, well-functioning shoulders with a straight line training. You're going to need to do some kind of circular work which um, a lot of people have never heard of that. So this is something a bit different, but it's very important. Yeah. So like arm strength, you know, I, I think about guys that lift arms all the time and that's kind of their, yeah. they go to the gym and all they do is, is lift arms. Is that necessary? You think the arm strength is more necessary than the shoulder mobility or? So I'm laughing because like we got to tell a personal story now about Army McGuire. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, so Army McGuire is a guy that I uh, have known fairly well over the years and I introduced Luke to him and uh, 
Army McGuire is probably the most dangerous man Luke and I have ever been around in our lives. That's another statement. <laughs> and in terms of his his uh, his strength is is uh, really interesting, you know. And he he doesn't do traditional lifting. No, he swings these clubs and does you know grip training and stuff. And so my point in telling the story, um, other than that, we were bruised and beaten up the five hours we were there working with them, is that. Um, you don't have to do a lot of bench pressing t- to be no. pretty strong. Right? No, no he, he's the kind of guy that if the car fell on him, he could push it off. Yeah, him. he's just that got that brute strength. Yeah. Really good guy, but yeah, one of those guys you wouldn't want to cross paths with. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I think too it's important to mention, and I got this from one of my teachers: use the least amount of effort for the tasks that you need to perform. And that is going to go into archery, how you open and shut the door, um, how you speak to people, what volume level do you need to speak to the group or to the individual. And if you start thinking of everything that way, you get a lot more efficient. So how much poundage do you really need to pull? And then that's it. So I know there are a lot of, you're extremely strong. Luke's a really strong guy, one of the strongest people I've ever worked with. Um, But, you know, what do you pull, 75? 72 pounds. Yeah, 72. So, I mean, of course, you know, you could, you're strong enough to pull more. But, I mean, I look at the game that you take down. It's like, I don't know. You're doing pretty well. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Uh, what's the point of more? I mean, it, it's that's what you want. That's fine. But I, I remember a guy telling me that um, he was pulling an 80-pound or whatever, and I watched him do it. And he, I, I remember I, I joked to you about it last yeah. week because he's got the bow up in the air, and he's, like, flailing all over. Yeah, he got it pulled back, but I'm like, well, how, how is that going to work? Yeah. You know, you might be down on your knees. Exactly. And- <laughs> if you're stalking in on an animal, and you got to pull that back. I know a lot of dangerous game hunting, they they will use the heavier poundage bows. Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah. Or some of the larger animals. If you uh, have to. Have if it, you yeah. have to, right, because you... It, it, the correlation is, is if it's a heavier poundage bow, the arrow is going to go faster, right? right? And yeah. so for like guys that want to shoot elephants and rhinos and stuff with yeah. their bow, they've yeah. got to up the poundage on that. Absolutely. So it's task specific. Yeah, you know, it is very task specific. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the, sh- the when I think about the shoulder, I mean, I think about the shoulder is probably the key component mm-hmm. when you're when you're shooting because that is the one thing that hinges. That's the one thing that yeah. moves. Versus your arm's pretty static, your hand's pretty static, but the shoulder's got to be able to yeah. have some mobility. And without getting too technical, the um, and this is kind of old school, but it's very important. Um, if you get back into, the, you know, I do a lot of historical work, Luke. So if you get back into pre-1920 stuff with PE, classical physical education, they did a lot of postural work with people. So the shoulder um, is really interesting because... When it rounds forward and tips down, like a lot of people have shoulders that are always forward and kind of rotated out of position, you're never going to have the proper range of motion with a shoulder in that position, and it's never going to work extremely well. Mm. So if you take that into, whether it be archery or just an everyday task, um, you can run into some problems and, and need some surgical repair from that. So just the old school, you know, in your training, are you working with posture too? Are you thinking about bringing your shoulders back into a neutral alignment? And then do you have the range of motion to, yes, can I roll them forward? That's called protraction. Can I roll them back? That's called retraction. But again, remember the shoulder is a highly mobile joint. It has to move around a lot. And if you have stiff shoulders, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get into your hunting. And uh, it's going to be difficult for you to draw back. And it's going to be a lot more work. And that's going to be fatigue. 
And yeah. generally when people are fatigued, uh, you know, they're not more accurate. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. You know, no, I think, I think that brings up a good point. I mean, to your point about only use as much energy as you mm-hmm. really need, I think about some days when you're on the mountain, you can, you know, hike eight to 10 to 12 miles at any given time. And by the, you know, the end of the day, you're just exhausted, right. you know, and having the focus to, you know, pull the bow back and let's say you're sitting or you're kneeling. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're digging into, you know, stuff that yeah. you know, you're digging into a lot of, uh, you know, energy that you probably expelled on the mountain. So it's, it's critical. I think that's important to, mm-hmm. to only use what you have when needed. So that's a good point. Okay. Um, we're just going to move on here. We're going to talk a little bit about, so when I was in Santa Clarita a few weeks ago, um, we shot some video. We actually did some, some demonstration and some tutorials on some of these fitness tools that uh, we're going to talk through and really how there is some cross-function with, um, you know, archery shooting, releasing a bow, certain tasks that, you know, we do as, as outdoorsmen. So one of the tools that both uh, Ron and I are familiar with and, and have in both of our gyms is what's called a cross-core 180. So Ron actually introduced me to the owner who manufactures those, and, and he's a big bar guy. When we say bar, it's a, you know your standard pull-up bar. It's yeah. something that most schools had growing up where uh-huh. you actually had to do pull-up competitions and you were tested yeah. with doing pull-ups. Right. I remember when I was a kid, we had to do that, but... I don't know that they do that now in schools. I'm not even sure kids. Well, you got to find a a kid that can do a pull up first. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's really sad, actually. But I remember when we were kids, girls used to have to do them too. Oh yes, sure. Girls could do pull ups. So anyway, um, so yeah, the cross core 180. We're going to show some video tutorial that'll kind of baseline or sideline with our podcast today, but. When using the cross core, Ron, I know that it's it's there's a lot of functional movements that we could you know draw parallels to, you know drawing and releasing a bow. But um, the general movement of kind of opening up shoulders, coming back through, and releasing the, the yeah. pattern that we did um, is that more of a pattern that you would recommend for someone who's having shoulder pain or needing restorative work, or maybe something to maybe prevent somebody from having a shoulder issue. Yeah, it's a good question. What what uh if you watch the video, what you'll see is that that's I'd say that's a little more higher in and uh you wouldn't want to approach something like that with a shoulder injury for sure. But um watch if you watch the video, watch the stability that's required for me to hold that position. And that's what I was talking about earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. That kind of strength, they had put NFL running backs in that piece of equipment and very high level athletes and they can't do what I was doing. Wow. And and the reason for that is because a lot of times their training is really imbalanced and they're using these big muscle kind of focus protocols and uh, their small stabilizing muscles, they're completely offline and not very developed. So we talked about the importance of just being very stable to make your shot, keep it on target. Mm-hmm. So, But it's nice to look at to see that there's equipment out there like the CrossCore 180 um, and the reason why I like it for archery, because it, it just makes me, you know, it, it has that same feeling of drawing back and you really have to focus on keeping things stable. And of course, there's a lot of mental uh, psychology that we can use, sports psychology, if mm-hmm. you will, take that right into archery, which we talked about in the video. So if you listen to this show, you know, we would recommend you watch a video and um, check yeah. that out. It's fun. It's a nice piece of equipment. Yeah, it is a good piece of equipment. One of the things I know you've coached me on is around kind of the wrist and how the uh-huh. wrist 
stability, you know, when doing that, right. that, that exercise. And I almost think about it, you know, when, when you're, when you're shooting your bow, setting that, you know, the handle or the grip right kind of in that fat pad of your, mm-hmm. of your hand is critical too, because it sits on the bone mm-hmm. um, and it's a rigid spot, but it also helps, you know, keep the bow aligned. What, why is the wrist important when doing that exercise? Well, the, the, if you think about, you know, the strongest position for the wrist is when it's straight and lined up with the forearm. And so think of a, a one straight lever. And so if my wrist is weak and it's not stable, I can't hold that flat wrist position, then it completely changes the line and everything falls apart. And with that particular exercise I was demonstrating, that that could be a face plant. You know? sure. So the idea is to really, really develop those, those wrist stabilizing muscles. Now the wrist is uh, also a highly mobile joint, so we have to have really good mobility um, not as much for archery, but just your activities of daily living. Yeah. You want to have a good wrist, uh, mobility on each side, because if not, you can get up into elbow shoulder problems. Just from the wrist then? The yeah. Wrist so think of it where mobility is lost, it will be gained somewhere else. So if we want the wrist to be mobile and if it's not, it goes to the next joint or next joint up. And so, um, you know, everything's connected, you know, I've heard that saying, well, mm-hmm. it's really true. So if the wrist is stiff, your elbow and shoulder are having to do some things that they might not be wanting to do. That's interesting. And that could, that now, that, now that gets into your bow because, you know, and, and you're trying to figure out why you can't get your shoulder to work and it could be a wrist problem. So, yeah. you know, just keeping everything tuned up. And this is where you open the show today is just talking about just general fitness and, you know, just um, being overall prepared to go do hunting or whatever you want to do. And it goes into that. So if we're only talking shoulders for bow, we might miss some other things too that could end up getting into the shooting as well, yeah. like the wrist. Sure. So yeah, so the CrossCore 180, I know um, they're available online. and Yeah, you can you can Amazon that. And I don't have all the links off the top of my head. Yeah. They're still around. It's a pulley system. So and there are a lot of pulley systems out there, but this one is uh, like military grade kind of pulley system, right? It's really set up to do some amazing fitness training and there's all kinds of things you could do on it. We just demonstrated one that was more archery specific. Sure. Um, but if they watch the video, you could always bring that angle it up a little bit. I was actually leaning way into it, which makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they watch the video, they'll be able to kind of see Is it that. important to have like a high anchor point when using that? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, typically you want an overhead bar. You know, you can put it off the wall, but it, it gets, um, I think it's better to have a bar. Bar is a great tool. Yeah. Also very good for shoulders to do some uh, just hanging on the bar and stretching things out, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I noticed when I use the cross core, when I do that stretch that we'll demonstrate, um, you know, on we'll, we'll put it on the website. But when you think about it, when you're when you're drawing or, or drawing your bow back, you know, it's, there's that movement where... You're coming through, and then you're opening up. It's almost like you're going in a right. quiver to grab an arrow. Yeah, yeah. Come back over, pull back through, and then you obviously, you know, you change and change your position and go the other way. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and we don't typically blend fitness and archery or fitness and outdoors a lot of times, but there is a parallel there that you can sure. see when drawing or releasing a bow using that piece of equipment. And that's just one exercise, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's oh, yeah, yeah. there's a multitude of exercises you can do with the cross core, um, you know, overhead stuff, even leg stuff that yeah. you can do. You can right. put your feet in there and and do yeah. exercise with your feet, push ups. I mean, it's oh, yeah. a very it's cross functional tool. It's a 
similar to a TRX suspension system in the fact that it can do a lot of different things. Yeah. But we had talked about some other tools. Like one of the things that we use a lot is a health wand or a, some people call it a staff. Basically, it's a five-foot pole about an inch in diameter, right? Um, and this was another classical physical education tool pre-1920. It was extremely popular. It was part of restorative arts. And so restorative means to restore your body to its natural uh, position and shape and ability. And I use that quite a bit with corporate and athletes. And so, you know, thinking about rod and archery, and you can use your rod case. I have a, I actually carry my wand in a rod case for yeah. fishing. Flying you know, fishing. so if you don't have a, if you don't have a health wand, you can use your rod case and do the same thing. We'll, we'll yeah. shoot a couple of videos for that yeah. because, um, again, knowing how to use the classical tool as a leverage tool to to gently stretch and open your shoulders and get them back into that kind of starting position that we need yeah. to be, be in at times. And What's interesting, it's, it's, it's the things that you don't always think about that could have a purpose, like, you know, a rod holder for your right. fishing rod. You know, right. there are certain things based on the way that that's designed, you could use that for mm-hmm. a shoulder stretch or you could use yeah. that for certain things that, you know, most people, you know, would just look at that and say, oh, well, that's what I keep my fishing rod in. Right. It has other applications that you don't always think about. So, Well, I was thinking about shooting the video for you, and it's like, you know, okay, I got, you know, my wand. It's like, well, a lot of people don't have wands. Most people don't. But if I'm talking to a bunch of fishermen, they probably have a rod case. Sure. So we'll just use yeah, that, right? Absolutely. It's the yeah. same thing. Right? It is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's switch gears a little bit, and uh, we're going to kind of get away from the shoulder and that functional mobility and movement. Um, pattern and talk a little bit about some vestibular exercises and mm-hmm. and I know you've done some research and some um, you know some different uh, articles about your eyes and right yeah and using your eyes and vestibular exercises for right. certain things I you know, I think about you know even in what we do you know some of the little exercises that you do um, with the vestibular um, system it's amazing how it kind of tunes you up and your eyes up to right. be able to see things, react and do things yeah. that, yeah. um, you know, when you don't do it, you don't notice it until you actually do some of these exercises. Right. So maybe just talk a little bit about, um, some of the exercises, how it yeah. maybe relaxes the eyes and then mm-hmm. any tools that you use, um, for those types of exercises. Okay. Well, we're, people are having a lot of issues visually and with their vestibular system today because of how we live. So, um, We'll start with the vestibular system first. That's your inner ear, or both of your inner ears, right? And think of that as like your natural GPS positioning system. You know, it's it's telling you where you're at in space. And this is something that can be trained up or detrained, right? So if you sit at a computer all day and you never move your head much, which is what most people do, um, that stops working as well. And so now you're out hunting and you're going up and down or maybe you trip and you're trying to catch yourself and not fall off a cliff or whatever. Mm. And so um, there are semicircular canals in your ears and they have fluid that runs through them. And there's these little hairs inside these canals. And when the fluid goes by, it it kind of sweeps across the hairs like uh, if you've seen moss in a stream kind of swishing around. And that sends signals to your brain about where you're at. And so your brain knows if you're moving forward or back or going up and down or rotating. And it's it's really an intricate system. It's amazing. But it doesn't work well when you don't use it. 
much. And so because people are so sedentary, they sit and watch TV, they sit in traffic driving, they sit at the computer all day, and now they want to go shooting on the weekend or fishing, and now you're in nature and you're in a natural environment where, you know, you better be prepared, Survival right? Sometimes we yeah. talk about that. You might slip in a rock and, you know, trying to get to a spot to get your, you know, the fish. And, and now your vestibular system is really important to keeping you from falling and getting hurt. And so there are some really simple drills to do for that just to start um, playing with it a bit. And one of them is, like, if you think about just extending one arm and holding your thumb out in front of your face, and you're going to look right at your thumb... And you're going to make your head move in a figure eight motion. And so as I move my head in a figure eight motion, I'm focusing on my thumb the whole time. And so just doing that sometimes can make people dizzy Mm -hmm. because they're so detrained on their vestibular load. You can also hold the thumb straight out and just start turning left to right and moving up and down, right? And just focusing on something and also turning your head. So it doesn't have to be extremely exotic, but um, things like that are important to think about if you're sitting a lot. Um, the visual problems we're seeing are because people are on devices, so they're basically you have two visual control systems. You have close-up and narrow, and you have wide peripheral and deep. And unless you're highly, highly trained, they're mutually exclusive, which means you're not in both at the same time. You're in one or the other. Mm. And so what happens, because we're not, we're doing so much close-up narrow work on a computer screen or an iPad or an iPhone or, or other technology, people are losing their ability to see far and they're losing their ability to see wide. And this is happening. It's, it's, a, it's a real big growing issue. So... What you need to drive safely and walk safely and, and do so much of your hunting in terms of scouting is is your peripheral vision and and depth. And so, you know, this is what's happening. And so there are eye drills that you can do too. And there's a whole world out there with vision training. And I'll, we can get into this more later and maybe demonstrate in a couple of videos a couple of little drills. We did one with the Brock string, and that's kind of a focus, refocus drill. Um, but there are also things that you can do where you're looking at the wall at a chart, and depending on the symbol that you're following on the chart from left to right, you're also doing a foot and hand movement. So it's hand-eye coordination, hand-foot coordination. And think about it. This is very practical stuff because if you're out hunting and you're out fishing in the wilderness, you have to have all that. Yeah. You don't want to fall, as you know, you know, 12 miles in, or nobody's there with you, you know, and, and now you've got a helicopter coming in, and you know, it's just... You know, that's not a good day. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of simple drills like that that can help you tune up your inner ear mm-hmm. and also your vision. Yeah. So one of the videos we shot was um, using that Brock string. And when I looked at that, I, I was thinking about, you know, when folks go and they shoot and, you know, specifically archery. But, and, it, and it doesn't happen typically until... You know, they've got their sight on an animal. Normally people can go and shoot on a block or, you know, shoot at the uh, at the archery store on the target and shoot pretty well. But when they in the moment and, you know, the nerves are hitting and there's an animal standing there, they typically, they'll get their drawn back and they're literally shaking and they just want to shoot so fast because they just want it to end, right? It's like, yeah. just, just get me through this right now. And 
And so when we did the demonstration with the Brock string, it made me think about, you know, people that struggle with target panic and mm. where they literally, you know, set their sight on a, on a target or an animal or what have you. And they just can't wait to release that arrow yeah. because there's just a, there's a panic that sets in that says, you know, I can't hold this any longer. I got to oh. let it go right, 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 right now. And they let it yeah. go and they may end up making a bad shot. So you know, I think about in tune, and we'll, when we recap, we'll talk a little bit about today and some of the stuff that we did. But it's so critical ensuring that, um, you know, we take a deep breath. Right. Our eyes are tuned in on what we're doing, mm-hmm. right? It's easier said than done when you've got an animal standing there mm-hmm. that you're just about ready to take its life. But um, I can definitely see using some of those exercises that we did in the video mm-hmm. uh, in that tutorial we did as, as maybe helping or preventing some of those types of um, yeah. things to set in when yeah. you're in the, when you're in the outdoors. And there's a book reference that I'll give you that you can share too. If people want to get into a sports vision training, there's a, there's a book out there that's um, not too overly complicated and it's got a bunch of drills in there and how to do them. And you can just play around with that. Okay, cool. Okay. We'll go ahead and um, talk about one of our next topics. And I guess, you know, for you, Ron, thinking about kind of where you're at in your career You've worked um, independently. You've worked corporate. Mm-hmm. You've spent a lot of time in the corporate world and, and helping people in that arena. And just looking in the future, you know, we've got a new generation that's you know coming in. We've got a generation leaving us right now. Mm-hmm. What do you see, kind of in the future, um, is really the next thing in your industry, or or what's next in terms of you know wellness and health? Uh, in what you do every day? It's a good question. And um, I do, as you know, I do a lot of work with history. So uh, one of my mentors taught me years ago that when you know history, you can predict the future. And so um, I've actually talked to some very big companies and work with uh, global marketing directors that brought me in to ask me questions like, what, you know, what's the history? Because what they're after is what's the next big thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so... One of the things I'll say is um, think analog because the big things aren't necessarily technology driven. And you know, a lot of the methods that I use are very analog. They're very old. They're Mm -hmm. over a hundred years old. And we're, we're so quick to look at technology for the solution, but we're missing the basics so many times when it comes to fitness conditioning, because we're looking for the gadget or, you know, the next tool. And I got to just be honest with everybody that the biggest stuff is, it's already been done. Yeah. And so um, keep an eye on history. Um, explore a little bit about how people used to train because it wasn't just about bodybuilding and physique. It, it was very holistic, as you know. And the tools were very, very different. And these people moved very, very well. It was very sophisticated. And there was no batteries required. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's one thing that I'd like to throw out there for sure. Okay. And then just the overall... Um, the, the mind, body, spirit balance. This is another part of history that came from ancient Greece. You know, you see that in archery. You know, it's the, the, the ability to relax and have the spiritual presence and and really tap into nature and where you're at and, and be able to to use all your senses, you know. And you, you can't develop that inside. You have to be outdoors. So as a health message, this goes so far beyond just archery and getting some game and I, although I do love the sausage that you make, right? <laughs> we were enjoying that this morning. Yeah. Um, 
but it's really, you know, boy, what a lesson for children to be in the outdoors. And if they want to do some hunting and fishing, that's great. But um, they develop their brain in a completely different way. So another thing I want to mention is keep an eye on brain-based training because that's really where the action is. You know, what? don't think of just the muscles that you're training. What's it doing for your brain? And because of these cross-body patterns that we use, and you do a lot of that now with your training, Luke, uh, you're tuning up your brain in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah. The, my fear is, is it's our next generation that's, you know, going to carry us into the next, you know, 50, 60 years. And, and you know, child obesity is up. and Joint replacements. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, just all the stuff years ago, people didn't get hips replaced and knees replaced. You yeah. know, they just made it work. Now it's people resort to having their shoulder replaced because, you yeah. know, they're in pain. And it just seems like we've gotten to a level where that's acceptable now. And doing things holistically we, the way we used to do it, uh, we just don't do that stuff anymore. Well, just, just recently there was a person I worked with that has uh, carpal tunnel issues and has had them for years and wakes up in the morning with the arms are numb. And I ran through six basic health wand drills that I've been using in corporate this year. And um, the next morning I got the message, no, no arms asleep, no tingling, no pain. It's, you know, it's gone. So, I mean, it, the solution was analog. There were no batteries. It was all old stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I have manuals over a hundred years old. I just brought out the stuff, figured out how to do it again. And so that's a lot of what I do now is about that. So this, the solutions can be very simple and very cost effective. And, yeah. You know, it's not about the newest gadget, the newest, yeah, you know, toy on the market. It's, you've taken things back so many years. I mean, like the club stuff that you do, I mean, clubs have been, how old are clubs? 5,000 year tradition, you know, Indian clubs have been around for a long time. Um, and we use them just for more of a restorative purpose. They have a combative application too, if you're into that type of thing. But, um, you know, they, they, for people that don't know what Indian clubs are, they kind of look like small bowling pins and they would use these, uh, arm patterns with them that were very circular and that's really healthy for the shoulders. So lightweight, like a one or two pound club with a lot of circular patterns and wow, what, as you know, it's, it's an amazing training tool yeah. for the brain and the body. It can go a long ways. You wouldn't think that a one pound club could do much, but you work that thing for, you know, five it's, to yeah, 10 minutes. It's, it's physics and momentum and, you know, acceleration, deceleration. It's, it's just not the same type of training that most people are familiar with. Yeah. And I think for some of the outdoors people, they might not want to do the traditional kind of approach in the gym and, you know, that's something you can do out in the man cave, you know, get, exactly. get a couple things out in the garage and, you know, that, unless you need some firewood, they'll last you the rest of your life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now there, there are, from, for a tool that's simple to travel with yeah. and something that's, you know, obviously relatively light, but easy to use. I mean, between the kettlebell and the Indian clubs, I don't know if there's any other tool. Yeah, it's a basic stuff. You know, and again, there's another tool we could have another whole podcast on that's, thousands of years old that, yeah. you know, has just, you know, changed some of the industry in terms of how uh-huh. people, you know, have fitness and work out and yeah, not that we're advocates for CrossFit or any of that or, yeah, but, in, but it is when this kettlebell is used correctly, yeah. um, it is a really functional, good piece of Well, equipment. and it's, it's helped you do your hunting and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, so we've used that training. Okay. So those are kind of the topics that we wanted to talk about today. I do want to talk a little bit about just, you know, kind of what we had planned, you know, this weekend and what we did today. 
Um, so, you know, Ron, um, not only from a corporate wellness standpoint and health standpoint, um, is one of the pioneers in that industry, but he's also very passionate around photography. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that he's got his own brand. I think he typically just shoots for fun for folks and, and just enjoys the, the hobby of, of photography. But um, today we went out and we actually um, shot some footage. We had some different cameras, different angles. We actually got some drone footage in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just kind of out there playing around with, you know, different technologies out there. And it was kind of fun. It, yeah. What did you What did you take away today from kind of our little... Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully we got some uh, different angles, and, and um, of course, you had some great tutorial tips that people will get to see. But just the drone provides a whole different view, and sometimes it's really nice to be directly overhead in a movement type situation. So, and today it was archery, so I think it'd be fun to kind of look at that, and uh, you know, just see some different photographic angles. And mm-hmm. basically, we're out there just doing a couple of tutorial videos, and I was getting kind of tuned up because I haven't had my bow out for over a year. So it's like if I'm going to be working with the Luke and the the outdoor people, I have to get tuned up a little bit. Yeah. So that was great, you know, just going over the basics and, and, and then, of course, using some technology. And, you know, uh, and a lot of times in fitness I don't, but I, it is nice to use it as well. There's a place for it. I think yeah. with photography, clearly photography, sure. you'll be left behind. if you, Yeah, the drone stuff is cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that... That industry just evolves continually. I think back to point-and-shoot cameras and disposable cameras yeah. and old 35 millimeter to where we're at now. It's pretty amazing, the quality. But I'm a sucker for good photos. I always tell guys when we're hunting, you know, they mm-hmm. take pictures with their camera phone. And I'm like, yeah. you realize that if you want to submit those on a website, submit yeah. those to a magazine, they're not going right. to take it because the quality of a yeah. camera phone, it's getting better, right? but um, it's still not the level quality of, you know, a digital SLR right. or some of the other, you know, um, you know, cameras on the market, which is another completely whole different podcast. Yeah. So we got a lot of good stock stuff for you today that yeah. you can mix and match and cut and crop and you yeah. know, you be used that stuff for years. You know? How about when we were shooting today, was there any keys that you learned or things that you maybe weren't aware of when you were shooting your bow today? Well, what I was picking up on is like the nuance. Like, and Luke's been doing this a long time, so he's so smooth to watch, draw, and shoot. But I was, you know, playing around with how much how much muscular force do I really need to, to do my 65-pound uh, bow, right? To draw that back and no more. So, because I haven't shot in a while, and you can mm-hmm. see it was kind of shaky and you know just trying to figure that out but i got better you know after a few arrows down range and then also you know getting my breath release timed with my drawback and that's what i was playing with a little bit at the end instead of releasing and drawing was trying to kind of get them synced in Mm -hmm. um so that was kind of cool to get back into that and then um the stabilization part like how efficiently can i stabilize and bring myself onto the target um and this is all things you play with and i think i've learned over the years with my teachers not to not to work too hard at this sometimes just you want to play with that and get the feedback and if something doesn't go right ask yourself why and then fix something to make it better and don't get so frustrated you know just keep it kind of light and yeah whether it's archery or fitness you know what'd you think about when we were you know, we were shooting at angles today and I yeah. kind of purposely did that because 
you know, normally when we go to a range, you know, it's typically horizontal line of sight. Right, you, right. You know, you shoot it or they've already got it marked. Hey, that's a 30-yard shot. Right. But we were actually shooting a 36 to 38-yard shot, mm-hmm. but we were using like our 20-yard pin. And right. it was interesting to kind of just give you a little insight on, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do as archers and hunters is, is it's not a flat level, right. you know, animal out in the field, you know, right. a perfect 30-yard shot. It's uphill. It's steep downhill. I know guys that hunt, you know, sheep and stuff in the high country, mm-hmm. and most of their um, strategy is to get above the animal, and then, you know, you're shooting down at these angles that are, you know, 50 to 60 to 70 degree angles mm-hmm. where it takes a 80-yard shot down to like a 35-yard shot. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. The, the Really the math, I mean, it is a science, but it's right. the math behind it that you're looking at. But did you find it interesting that you were... Sh- Literally ranging at 40 yards and shooting your 20-yard pin today? Yeah, yeah. So this is all new to me because I'm so I'm just a novice at all this. So I was fascinated by the – you start talking about the math and all that part of it. I, I'm really ignorant of it. So it's there's just a whole world out there in archery. I mean, yeah. You could just dive off into it for decades you know, exactly. and still be learning something every day. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it was fun. It was cool. It was nice to get out. It was nice to, to you know, send some arrows down range, you know. One of the things I always talk about is, is um, you know, I typically only shoot, you know, two to three arrows at a time because I really believe in trying to, you know, have a perfect practice every mm-hmm. time. Every arrow I shoot to me is so important that I go through my routine, I take a deep breath, you know, I, I think about follow through. There are certain things that I have programmed in my head, and when I don't do that, I realize where I've had an exception or I right. did something wrong. I know, well, hey, I didn't do that, and you can tell you know, with your shot. So I'm, I'm very methodical when I shoot now. I used to just, you know, fling arrows down the range thinking, man, eventually I'm going to get one in the center. But <laughs> now it's like, for me, every time I knock an arrow, yeah. you know, it's, it's perfect, you know, perfect practice right. makes perfect to me. So I, I've really taken that to heart and I've really used that in my practice going forward. And I try to take that into a lot of things I do, but specifically mm-hmm. archery, it's important because you know, when you're out there and you're hunting an animal, the last thing you want to do is wound animals right. because, you know, you rushed it or, mm-hmm. you know, you, you jerked the trigger on the on the release or you did something that you weren't prepared mm-hmm. for or ready mm-hmm. to do. And, you know, that's the difference of you, you know, harvesting an animal versus an animal that, you know, is wounded and may or may not live based on where the animals hit. So right. I had a lot of, I had a fun today. Yeah, I'm excited fun. to to look at some of the, the footage and mm-hmm. take some of that and hopefully use it for the website. Yeah, we'll do more too. Forward. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels to fitness and archery and yeah. health and Absolutely. being happy and great yep. stuff there you're doing. So just to kind of close out today, I was thinking about you know some of the topics we covered and they were very general topics, but you know the the one I guess the key takeaway that, that for me that I take away is um, specifically, and I I saw some of that today as we were both shooting, and I'm, again, I'm curious to watch some of the drone footage, but, you know, people that are fit and people that can move mm-hmm. can pick up a bow, can pick up a hobby, mm-hmm. and typically within a short amount of time mm-hmm. can figure it out and can do it, and I wouldn't say proficiently, yeah, but they can do it. And right. it's not that I'm, you know saying that fit people are, you know, do things better. I mean, I know people that are probably overweight that can do that, but it seems like if you're fit and, 
you know, your, your heart healthy and there are certain things that you can do, mm-hmm. um, a lot of things come easier in life, right? right? Things are easier for you to do. You know, we were traversing up and down. We were carrying probably 40 to 50 yeah. pounds of gear to do what we did today. And I tell you that a lot of people can't do that. Right. Right. A lot of people yeah. would have a hard time even walking, right. you know, right. let alone doing some of the stuff we do. So I, I am fortunate for the health that I have, and, and but I work hard for it. But mm-hmm. I do think, and I, when you look at, you know, the, the typical outdoorsman, hunter, guys that post photos on social media, they're people that are fit. Mm-hmm. They're in good shape, mm-hmm. right? They care about their health and their wellness. They typically eat, you know, very good diets and lead very healthy mm-hmm. lives. It's it's not a sport or a hobby where, you know, people sit on the couch all day and don't yeah. exercise and then go out and say, hey, I'm going to go hunting today. It, those people typically aren't very successful. Well, you so. want to get to your game and, you know, um, and I, that's where we started with when you asked me about my career. I want people to do what they want to be able to do. And if you want to get to your game, you have to have a certain level of fitness probably to get in. Yeah. You know, I mean, some types of hunting you don't, but for what you do, man, you're, that's pretty rigorous, you know, and that's, that's where the good stuff is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I kind of recapped my elk hunt in the recent podcast we did, but it was nothing short of eight to 10 mile days every day. And then you, you know, in the days that you're successful, cause we harvested two animals, you know, you've got a 800 plus pound animal laying yeah, there yeah. and the, the work starts then, you know, right. trying to get the animal prepared, get the meat in the sack so you can, you know, pack the animal out. And you know, there's only a handful of people that I know that still continue to hunt with me because <laughs> as I've taken them out to do that, they're like, you know what? That's just not for me. You so know? you asked me, don't you want to take some game with your bow? I'm like, I'm afraid to say yes because I don't know if I can keep up. <laughs> yeah. We'll break you in we'll on do, turkeys. The though. turkey would be good though, man. We'll break you in on turkeys. That's an easy pack out, right? Even a even a 25-pound bird's an easy yeah. pack out. But the bigger game can be, it's grueling, but... It, it's so rewarding after you've had a successful yeah. hunt. And, yeah, that's great. In a kill and just the 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 fun that you have. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it is work, but when you're walking out, usually you got a smile on your face when you're doing that. So, yeah, okay, good deal. So, Ron, just kind of in closing, uh, maybe maybe tell the listeners, um, you know, how they can get a hold of you. I know you've got multiple irons in the fire yeah. from a social media standpoint, from a web standpoint. So, if someone was interested today and Hey, I've heard of this Brock string or crossbar yeah. 180 sure. or how could they get a hold of you? Uh, my couple of my websites, ronjones.org and theleanberets.com. Lean is in not having a lot of extra body fat, right? And so my web, uh, email is ron at ronjones.org. So if you have any questions, shoot them over and tell me you like hunting and fishing and, you know, I'll try to help you out. Yeah. And we're... <laughs> Ron and I are kind of, as we're building Rod and Arrow Outdoors, you know, Ron and I are going to continue to kind of partner on, you know, more of the, you know, health and wellness and uh, piece of, of, you know, really the outdoors. But we're going to try to continue to, you know, kind of merge, you know, these two um, systems, really fitness and outdoors. And I think there's a parallel there. And I think there's a spot for that because Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people doing that. So, as we go forward, Ron's going to be, you know, an integral part to this. We're going to start, you know, putting some of his information, you know, on our website, things that would really apply to, you know, making our, our hunters and outdoorsmen much more successful, which is really part of what, what RNA is all about. So 
I just want to thank everyone, you know, today for listening. We are in the process of getting these podcasts uploaded uh, into Podbean, which will then automatically, um, you know, download those into iTunes. You know, once you're there, you know, I will, uh, would like to see, you know, listeners know that they can subscribe. So once we do get the podcast live, we'll let everybody know that. Please subscribe. Um, you know, leave comments, leave feedback, you know, tell us what you think. I mean, if you have questions that you want to ask, you can go to our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com, right? If there's something that you heard that you didn't like, feel free to leave that, you know, be honest, it won't hurt our feelings. But I do want to thank Ron today um, for being here, for, for spending some time with us, you know, for me, for coming out and helping me with, you know, what I'm trying to do and really promoting the outdoors and public land and do-it-yourself hunting uh, and, you know, keep up the good work. I think, you know, this is just a start to yeah. many good things in the future. Uh, and in addition, you know, please uh, be watching on our YouTube page, uh, which is just RNA Outdoors on YouTube, for some of the tutorials um, of the above topics we've talked about, um, some of the stuff that we're doing around the cross-core 180 exercises, the Brock string, some of the eye movement, um, uh, you know, type exercises that we did. And then we shot some tutorials today. Uh, I was kind of tuning Ron up a little bit on some of his shooting. And then I also went through my pre-shot sequence that I use uh, when I'm out there. And again, it, it, it varies from time to time, but I really try to stay consistent with that pre-shot sequence. So when the, probably in the next few weeks, we'll be uploading um, those tutorials. So, you yeah, know, just check out our YouTube page and we'll push them out on our social media platforms. Uh, Facebook is RNA Outdoors. Uh, Instagram is Rod and Arrow Outdoors, along with the Twitter account that we have, uh, which is Rod and Arrow Outdoors as well. So, again, Ron, thanks for Thanks a lot. I enjoyed here. it. Getting uh, back to my roots of hunting and fishing when I was a kid, it feels good. Yeah. yeah. And again, my hope is, is that, uh, you know, more people will want to do that type of stuff. And it's, you know, not only, you know, folks of any age, but really specifically, I'm, I'm concerned about the next generation and getting them involved yeah. in outdoors. And there's, there's more and more concern about kids not being able to relate to nature and uh, hunting and fishing is a great way to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, thanks folks for listening. And remember, it's not about the inches. It's about the adventure. RNA out. First and foremost, I want to thank everyone for listening. The RNA Outdoors podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found both on the podcast feed and our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. Feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed. We are live on Podbean and iTunes. For iOS slash Apple users, Go to podcasts on your Apple device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. When you subscribe to a podcast using the podcast app for iOS or using iTunes on your Mac or PC, you are subscribing to the podcast updates by that particular podcast producer. With iCloud, you can synchronize your podcast subscriptions across all devices. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean or just use our website, again, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. 
You can also follow us on any of our social media platforms. Twitter is at RNA Outdoors. Instagram is hashtag Rod in Arrow Outdoors. And of course, Facebook, you can search by just looking at RNA Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you have heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Please join us next time for another edition of the Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast.